Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Well, I want to welcome everybody to the Softball Zone Radio Show. This is Wednesday night, not Tuesday night, which we usually have the show on Tuesday nights. It's Wednesday night. It is July the 6th, 2016, and we're right in the middle of the heated battle of travel season, all the big tournaments and showcases and everything are about ready to get to roll on. And uh, me and Jeff have been busy the last few weeks, actually. And uh, how are you doing tonight, Jeff? I'm doing well, Ricky. How about you? Yep, you know, I, I can't really complain. I was just, uh, I think I actually shot the numbers at, at you. The way that uh, TalkShoe software does look at the the shows and everything as far as, like, you know, your downloads and everything like that, it actually does the statistics for weeks. Like, so right now the the stats I have are 703, which would be when you did the Orville show. Uh, right. The Orville Far in the Sky. And that will continue until 7916, which I believe will be Saturday. Then that will give us our details for that week. So anyway, we've only done one broadcast. Uh, one recorded episode, and that was when you did the Orville game. We had a total of 40 downloads. We had 16 callers. We had a total of 118 live listeners. Now, oh, wow. we we know that we know that the Orville one has always been our biggie as far as listeners. So that I. Don't think the numbers really surprised me too much. I'm glad to see them that way, but that that's what we ended up with. So, and you got to realize too, a lot of people will call in with their phones to the show to listen to them, and they might get disconnected because they get a phone call or something like that. Then they call back. So, mm-hmm. that 118 live numbers, you know, compared to 16 callers, tells me that. That 118 is probably not too far from being a true live listing number because when he had 16 callers, and right. you and me were one of the callers. So I mean, when he had 14 people call in, so <laughs> that was now, what that about was on the uh, what about on the racer game? How was the attendance on that one? That is the one I'm looking at now. The racers, I was kind of interested in that. I didn't really think. Uh, and that was done on uh, the 28th, right? Sounds right. And, yeah, uh, the 28th. Yeah, the 28th, we was at Akron Racer. Man, ain't that a nice complex, Jeff? I mean, I, I, that it is, to me, it's a nice place for softball. Absolutely. So we have – oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, sir. No, I was saying absolutely. I agree with you. That was a nice place. But, well, I got really spoiled this 
last week from between doing the Rachers game and doing the fire in the sky there, get to, you know, sit in, uh, in a, in a booth more or less in both of them. And, and, uh, you know, up high views right behind home plate. It was, uh, was great venues. So we had two, two callers when we had the racer game and that was you and me with any callers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, talk to you live participants was three. We didn't really have okay. a lot of live participants on that one, which in a way don't surprise me because probably most of the people that actually even listen to this show, a lot of people probably were there. You know sure. what I'm saying? People that actually, that are regular listeners. Now, on the downloads for the weeks, we had, and I would have just been on the Racers game, we had five, 15, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, 28. So we ended up with 28 people that downloaded and actually listened to the um, Racers game, which I guess it really shouldn't shouldn't surprise us though, but uh anyway why just getting thanks to everybody that's on the show here listening tonight. I actually put a message up on the forum and I'll delete it when the show's ever over. And um basically just saying radio shows on air. That way people would know we're actually on air and I think you actually put something up there too. So hopefully yeah. we get some people in there. So anyway, let's first talk about the the racers um, event we went to for uh, stay in softball, and then we did a little bit of uh, I did a little bit of selfish uh, promotion of softball thing while I was there. I actually really had a good time, even though I couldn't do college commentary. I had a good time. It was awful nice to meet your daughter. I think that's the first time I ever met her. So yeah, yeah. I was happy she could come down and. Participate, and she's been involved with uh, Karen and Megan in the stay in softball organization. So I know she wanted to come for that, and and I, you know, obviously encouraged her to come for the broadcast too. And I told her I could, you know, if she wanted to keep a scorebook for me, that would be helpful. And that did turn out to be very helpful. So yeah, it was good to good to have her there, and it was also good to see some of the other, uh, you know, some of our other regulars uh, in the forum and on the and on the radio show. You know, we saw. Okie Dad and Long Ball and Crystal and um, you know several of uh, several folks you know uh, obviously uh, Karen and uh, and Megan and uh, some of the other people that are you know Tom, oh, Tom Coach Tom V that does the uh, Wounded Warriors amputee um, thing he's been on the show talked about that uh, that effort he was there um, and uh, yeah I got really to meet nice him as a first everybody. as a first first time I got to meet him he's a really nice guy. Yep. So, um, yeah, I got I I got to talk to Joey. I actually went up, talked to her a little bit in the broadcasting booth, not the good booth, not the wood booth we had, uh, but the which was actually a nice observation point for what we were doing. But up there, she seen me and she says, "I don't know, Rick." I said, "We might break our numbers for this year." I said, "Well, that's fantastic. I hope you guys do." So, and then uh, I talked to her a little bit later when I was scurrying around trying to find Karen to do an interview with her, and she told me that they did break the record. And, of course, later on, I guess we actually heard they did break the record officially. 
for the year. Yep, so and, uh, that, with a thousand, a thousand and eighty-eight people at the game. So that was uh, you know a really nice, really nice crowd. And I think the, I think the stay in softball probably contributed about a hundred and fifty of that probably. So, so uh, but you know they do a. I have been to one other game this year. You know they always invite in and. So they have other promotions going on. They, you know, other travel teams and school teams come in, and and the girls get to go down on the field, and and they have you know several people throwing out first pitches, and you know, they try to keep the crowd involved during the game. It was obviously it made it difficult for us at times uh, between innings to say very much because they would be uh, the the guy doing the, the the promotions and that was pretty pretty loud and enthusiastic, which was great, but. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, I, I told you it was going to be like that. It was a little, little craziness there, but it was, you know, it was a lot of fun. I was really glad to be there, and and um, you know, had a good time and enjoyed, uh, you know, getting an opportunity to actually broadcast. I can say now that I broadcasted a a, a pro game. So, um, I tell you one thing. Um, now I think that's like the third time or fourth time, maybe. I've actually been there. I've come. I've caught tail in the games when I was traveling and just went in to watch like two innings or whatever. But the one thing that surprised me about that game, Jeff, more than anything, was the amount of errors that uh, – and I'm not doing this to embarrass any player or anybody, but I thought there was quite a few errors made in the, by the Pennsylvania Rebels, which kind of surprised me. You know, at that level. No, I mean, and they, I think this is only their second year, or it might, I think maybe it could be their third year in the pros. I think yeah, I think it's third maybe. Yeah. So I was kind of surprised at that, and and I was actually I thought Akron Racers played pretty air free ball game. I mean, you know, when I watched it, that was anything that was surprising to me. But see, I don't really dislike that because some of the best football games I've ever watched and some of the best baseball games and basketball games I've ever watched were because a lot of mistakes were being made. So it made it really interesting because you just didn't really know how things were going to turn out. So, But anyway, you know, as a coach, you don't want that. The Rebellion actually out-hit the racers in that game, but, uh, you know, the racers uh, outscored them. You know, it was partly because of errors. Uh, and, and you know, the racers definitely played a better a better defensive game, and they kind of you know they kind of spread out the hits for the rebellion, so so that worked well. And they, you know the racers went long went went yard a couple times, so that made a that made a big difference. So yeah. Now of course, then the next thing uh, you got to do, and I didn't get to participate in, was. Uh, um, well, just hang on a second here before I, I, I want to forget something here too before I move on. Um, I wanted to let everybody know today that the forum actually broke a record today. That we actually, for the first time ever, had seventy-one people viewing the general softball section, and that's the highest number we've ever had in the general softball section viewing huh. um, threats. Seventy-one at the same at the same time, huh? Yeah, seventy-one. I was actually surprised. Now, well, I did do a couple things today to try 
some new techniques to drive traffic to the site. And I'm not saying that 100% is what done it. I think maybe 15% of what I did might have helped. Um, but because the forum is pretty active and a lot of discussion going on and a lot of new discussion, you know, it, it kind of makes a, it, it kind of makes, it creates that atmosphere where, you know, people that usually don't even post that often or that much, you know, actually seem to post more. So, yeah, I was mm -hmm. pretty excited. I've seen that number today. And, um, you know, and I just it really was actually surprised to see that. So I was really happy about that. That's that's very good to see our numbers are going the right direction and going the way they should be. Um yeah, you know, ever since the crash, you know, I've always been worried about will we ever get back to where we were at? And I kind of took it as that too that we actually probably do better, you know. And and that to me, you know, that was the best we've ever done. And um, of course, you know, when we get to trial season, we're very active, but you never see that kind of numbers in the general section. And uh, so I was pretty excited about that. So now, since I got that out of the way, now let's go to you <laughs> and talk about what you did this past Sunday night. Yeah, so I got to go to, to the fire in the sky here for the for the third straight year. Um, and I know, you know, as some people may have may or may not have heard, you had some, some car issues this weekend, and that prevented you from, from being there. But you were back, back home and... Uh, Running the uh, running the board, so to speak, and uh, monitoring that activity. I did go back and, and listen to the uh, to the broadcast later, Ricky, and it was, I had a kind of laugh. I'm sure it was annoying to to you and to some of the listeners at the time. But for anybody that was didn't listen into it, uh, you know, I, I think I, I came across loud and clear, and, and Ricky came across loud and clear. But I couldn't hear hardly anything Ricky said just because of the. Uh, uh, the background noise and everything there. Um, I might have been. I I was I had a I had a bad cold this weekend, so I might have been a little stuffed up and uh, drugged up a little bit. But uh, that might that might not have helped. I had also changed out because Ricky wasn't there. I had changed out a uh, the uh, the earpiece in that that I normally use, so it might not have been quite as uh, uh, quite as effective in that kind of an environment. But but anyhow, you know, I think the it was a you know I I got there during the um, um, uh, the round before the quarterfinals, I, I caught a few in the games there, and then I, you know, I was there during the quarterfinals, the semifinals, and the finals. Um, and uh, you know, for anybody that again that didn't hear the um, the finals ended up being the Ohio White Blazers White O2 team uh, versus the Cincy Doom O1 uh, team, and uh, and the Lasers White uh, won won the game uh, seven to nothing. Um, and um, you know, pretty much, pretty much dominated that game. I was just super, super impressed with the uh, uh, with the Lasers team. You know, being an O2 team, I, I was looking Ricky at at the schedule they went through there, and you know, they had all the teams that were there had three pool games, and and of course, Lasers White they won all their pool games. They won by a total score of 34 to three, and then they went through a real gauntlet of teams to, to get to the to get to the finals there. You know, there was 108 teams there. So teams either had to play six or seven games to get to the finals, depending on whether they had a bye or not. Now, the, the Lasers, having won their pool, did have a bye. 
so they played uh, one game on uh, on Saturday night. They actually played a Ohio Glory team that uh, is, a, is a very good team. That uh, Chris Zaker, um, um, who's you know very active in the forum, uh, he's uh, you know he's got a nice team there. But they beat they beat them. And then on Sunday they played five games. The first game they played was against Valley Extreme Kelm, which is uh, you know definitely without question one of the top teams in the state. That's the team that uh, Megan McKeel plays on. Uh, then they played Lasers Green, Lee Piles' team, and they beat them. Then they played Team PA and beat them. And then uh, the Wolfpack, they played in the semifinals and then against C. Doom in the, in the finals. And I don't have the scores of all those games, but they they really dominated those games. And for them being a, you know, even though there's, you know, as kids get older, you know, there's obviously a big difference between 10 U's and 9 U's and 12 U's and 11 U's. And it starts to narrow a little bit. I mean, if you get to 14s and 13s, but there's still a difference in that. And for you know, for a uh, a 13U team to 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 go into a tournament with 108 teams, you know, 14U teams, and then to win it like that, and you know, go undefeated, and you know, they, and they really dominated both the semifinals and the final games. Those are the only two games I really saw them play. Uh, but they won both games. I think I think the semifinal might have been eight to one, and then the final seven to nothing. So. Uh, so they were they were uh, very impressive. I did have a couple of uh, players on that team I wanted to recognize uh, that uh, I thought had outstanding games. The the leadoff hitter and the center fielder for the Lasers, a lady a young lady by the name of uh, Marty McNulty, she really got things. She was a left-handed slap hitter and she got things going for them. She uh, she was actually ended up four for four in the day. Um, uh, Riley Frizzell, who actually pitched in a semifinal game and won that, uh, she bat a cleanup from them, for them, and she ended up going. Uh, officially, she was two for three, but she uh, she actually got on base all four times. She got on base once uh, by an error and and once on a walk. But she, the last time up, she actually hit a she hit a home run, so she scored three runs and knocked in either one or two. Um, and then the other was their pitcher, Sophie Howell. Sophie um, uh, ended up with a shutout and had eight strikeouts, you know, against a really good Cincy Doom team. So uh, those were, uh, you know, they had a very solid lineup. Uh, you know, they had 12, 12, uh, 12 players there. They were all, they could tell, they and they all got in the game, and they were all good players. But um, those three were the ones that uh, stood out the most. Bill Box, by the way, is the uh, head coach of that team, and Jeff Cavanaugh, who I'm sure most everybody knows, he's the, the the leader of the lasers he's the assistant coach for that team so um just just wanted to give a shout out to that uh that lasers white team and and also a shout out uh, to joe horn who again just does a flawless job of running that tournament he's he's not maybe a little bit lucky he's had really good weather the past several years and that but uh you know obviously if you think about a team with a, a, tr- a tournament with 100 teams in it you know if you <laughs> had a lot of rain it could kind of throw all kinds of havoc into it but but um they do such a good job there they take care of the fields they they groom them between every game they water them down they line them they 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 you know they they uh they take the tractor over them and uh just do a super job with that so uh and then the you know the venue is just fantastic there with uh with the you know the carnival atmosphere um and uh all the people coming in you know not only to watch the game but for the carnival and for the fireworks afterwards and you know there ended up i mean there was there's probably you know 
somebody said that the, there's like 3,500 people in that complex. Now they weren't all right at the field there, but about, maybe about half of them were. Um, so it's, it's just a really nice, nice, uh, event for the, uh, you know, for the teams to play in and for us to get an opportunity to, uh, to broadcast. Right. I know that this year, I know that I think they increased their entry fee up to five something this year, wasn't it? Uh, it was higher this year than it had been I previous, think, uh, I believe. Yeah. So, that uh, just one of the points I did want to touch on is this. And, you know, I actually was thinking about posting something in the forum, but I was afraid if I posted it in the forum, someone would take it in a negative way. So I didn't bother. I thought I could explain myself better. And if I got you here, of course, you can help explain it to people that don't understand Ricky. <laughs> so, anyway... <laughs> I've seen a lot of compliments about the tournament. You know, people say, hey, this is how the tournaments, people need to run tournaments. This is how they need to be done. They need to do the fields after every game. They need to line them. They need to water down. Well, I just want to let everybody know, okay, that there's one reason that's happening in that tournament. It's because everybody that's there are all volunteers. They can get paid a dime for what they do. When you have all volunteers taking care of everything, and you have the right gear and equipment, it makes it a lot easier for a tournament director to be able to put on a show like that. So when people go to other tournaments and they don't get the fields done every game and then they think it's the tournament director's fault, just remember that that stuff all costs money to do unless you have all volunteers. So Because I've actually seen a couple times where some people got on and made some remarks about some tournaments and how they done them, thing they got to understand, them tournaments don't have volunteers, and they're, they're paying for everything. And if you compare the entry fees to what they give you a lot of times, I, I think a lot of people don't really look at that. You know, they don't really look and compare, right. you know, what they paid and what they got. Anytime you have an all-volunteer event, there's going to be a lot more things that can get done because the tournament directors are not have to use an entry fee money to pay to take care of the fields. They're not paying for the fields, most likely. They're not paying for the lighting. So it makes a big difference. So, Yep. But like yep, I said, no I doubt. figured if I put something out like that, everyone would take that negatively. But just wanted to put that out there so people understand. Yes, it's a great, fantastic tournament. And if I was coaching, I would definitely go to it. So, <laughs> yep. But anyway, yep. so, well, yes, right now, I think what we might want to do. I don't know. Uh, did you got the pools of the week ready? Uh, um, yeah, yeah. I've got. Uh, let me got, let me pull that up here. I was gonna say. I think. Yeah. We, I think we had a big shakeup in the ten and unders this week, and I've been wondering when it was going to happen. Yeah. And uh, yeah. this week it uh, it finally looked like it did happen. So, but you want to go ahead and start off with the pools for this week? Yeah, let me pull that up here. The uh, as folks may know, we, there's a 10 and, 10 and under poll and a 12 and under poll that is done each week. Uh, uh, Jeff Steiner, Oiler Pride in the forum, uh, he does that uh, for the forum, and, and we appreciate his uh, his efforts in that. Uh, in, the, in the 10U poll, which, which has been led most of the year by the uh, uh, by the um, uh, the Roadrunners, uh, who we saw, you know, back in Marion, and they were very, very impressive uh, when we saw them. And they're, they're still impressive, but they've been falling off a little bit. I'm not sure. You may know 
being down from the Zanesville area more about them than, than I do. But uh, actually, after this week now, the uh, the Stingrays 05 team now is in is in first place. Uh, they had six first-place votes and totaled 127 points. Roadrunners 05 had four first-place votes and 122. And the Lasers Blue is right there, too. They had three first-place votes and 121. So those three teams are, are, are really neck and neck at this point in time. So... Um, and then you, you drop off a little bit to Ohio Ice Blue, MB Express, Ohio Rapture, Chaos 06, Fury Fast Pitch Vegas, Pioneers 05, and Wizards Elite round out the top 10 there. But those three teams have been, you know, right there at the at the top um, all season, just that the Roadrunners have, have uh, slipped a little bit, and the Stingrays and Lasers Blue kind of have caught up with them here. So um, Yeah, well, but, the uh, Roadrunners are missing their number one pitcher right now. I don't know okay. why. I just know their number one pitcher, which was the pitcher you and me got to watch. Uh, yeah. She she's either unable to play right now or on vacation or something. But they don't have their number one pitcher right now, so that okay. definitely would make a difference. <laughs> no, absolutely. So absolutely. now I tell you something here. You know when I when I look at these, and you know, of course, I'm looking back years and years and years and years and years. You know, uh, softball wise, I'm actually surprised to see the teams, others receiving votes, just how much the landscape of uh, the teams change over a period of 10 years or five years. OSC Heat, right? Ohio Classics, um, you, you, you would have always seen them up here in the mm-hmm. top somewhere all the time. And, in fact, there were teams you had to beat in tournaments, you know, 10, 12 years ago. But, you know, it, it just, to me, that that's kind of one of the reasons I kind of like the pool because I can kind of remember when these other teams were, like, you know, they were top of their cycle, so to speak, or everything was falling all in place for them. And then you see them falling off the, the wagon and stuff. And I just wonder sometimes, is that, you know, is that just happening because other teams had to play them and kind of followed their steps? I mean, if you would look at what Ohio Classic did and what they did and looked at what OSC Heat did, you would notice that a lot of programs do similar things that they used to do. So that's just something I wanted to point out. So, but anyway, so you got the 1,200 pool results. <laughs> yes. Yes, oh. uh, let me pull okay. that back up here. So I just come back at the look at some of those twelve uses or ten uses as well. But yeah, the twelve U we've got the uh Sun Dogs are uh, in first place there. They had eight first place votes, hundred and twenty seven points. Lasers Black not too far behind with uh three first place votes, hundred and twenty one. And you've got the Hurricanes, uh who've been doing really, really well. Um they have one first place vote, hundred and four points. Got the Central Ohio Vipers at 94. Got the Cincy Slammers 03. They had one first place vote at 83 points. Wizards Elite, all the way down to sixth place, had still had two first place votes and 72 points. And then they're rounded out with the Ohio Storm, the uh, Wolfpack 03, and then the uh, Outlaws 03 and Blast 03, uh, tied for tied for ninth in the pool. So, um, and that's I think that's moved around again. The top of it is pretty much the same teams, but I think the Slammers were on top of that earlier earlier this season. And I think, uh, I, think I believe they were. Guy, 
I think they had some injuries. It seems like I, I read somewhere. So, um, but, um, you know, and that's, you know, that landscape there has changed some too. I mean, the hurricanes, they're kind of up, uh, from, from my direction and, you know, they've had decent organizations over the years, but they haven't really been up in the top like that in the past. Um, you know, Slammers, that's a, that's kind of a newer organization, isn't it? Uh, Slammers have been around for quite a while, actually. No, have they? Okay. Yeah. Sun I mean, Dogs, I just... Uh, I... Sundogs have been good the last couple of years at the younger age groups. They used to have some really strong 16U and 18U teams. Um, you know, they're up in the Elyria area where you got a lot of the uh, the uh, Keystone and Elyria players, you know, that are always at the top uh, high school teams in the state. Um, you know, they they could... They, they could draw a lot of them at the older age levels, but it seems like that organization's got really strong now at the at the lower age level. Now, another team that's some people forget, an organization that people forget about from time to time is the uh, the Wolfpack. And you know, the Wolfpack's had a lot of really good teams over the years. They're, they're oh, yes, the yeah, they're, they're out of the Maslin area, and, and uh, you know, they were in the semifinals. They're fire in the sky, and again, they've got a uh, They've got a team here in the 12U that's ranked uh, eight. So, you know, and, and the Wolfpack actually had, I think Wolfpack and Fire in the Sky had three teams in the top, uh, in the top 16. Um, they, they made it to the, one team made it to, to the final four, but, um, you know, they were um, very well represented and they've, they've always had a, a, a solid organization. And again, I think of them more sometimes at the higher age levels, but it seems like their lower age levels are getting stronger and stronger as well. Yeah, you know, we actually had quite a bit of discussion here recently about the 1400 pools. Uh, you know, uh, kind of wondering why we didn't do a 1400 pool. You know, Jeff, I, I don't really know. Since I don't run the pools, and the oil prize always done, Jeff Steiner mm-hmm. has always done them. I don't really know. How did the pools actually work, just in case our. Yeah, no, I can make sure that, and um, I just, uh, I'll get to, um, also guest four in a second, he made a couple of comments here, and, you know, we were kind of ignoring him here, not, we haven't, we don't have too much activity in the chat room, but I will get back to those comments, but essentially what Jeff does is he has, you know, people from, like one representative per team is basically allowed to vote, uh, needs pretty much to be a coach or a scorekeeper or something of a team, some kind of representative from a team. And essentially that each person votes for their top 10 in each each, uh, age level. So, and they give 10 points to whoever they vote for first and nine for second and eight for third and on down to one for 10th. And he just, you know, there's usually around 15 to 20 people that, uh, that will, uh, that will vote. And so he just takes, you know, the total number of points that each you know, each one gets, and uh, he keeps it. I think he, he knows pretty well who the top teams are. Sometimes early in the season, sometimes people are using the wrong identifiers, or it might be hard for Jeff to tell is that, well, if, the, if an organization has more than one team, you know, he got them matched up together. But, you know, by, by this time in the season, he, he's got that pretty well down, and I think he'll probably ask people if, if they – you know, just say lasers, you know, he's going to ask them, you know, which laser team are you talking about? So right. that's, you know, it's a pretty simple, straightforward process. And obviously it takes a little bit of time to, 
to collect those results and, and compile them in that. And, and uh, you know, I kind of used to, to, to laugh about it a little bit because it seems kind of funny about, you know, rating teams at that age level. But, you know, it's, it's informational and it's, you know, it adds a little spice sometimes. Uh, I, you know, people are actually, I think, pretty mature about it these days. You don't see, you know, too many people arguing about every once in a while you'll see somebody say something like, well, I don't understand why that team's higher than this team. You know, we beat them three times and uh, and they don't play anybody. But, you know, that doesn't happen too often. But when it does, it's kind of, you know, adds a little spice to it. So, Right. Um, when we used to do the uh, – we used to have a PHP pool we did, which was, you know, anybody could just go and vote on it. And basically, the teams that were at the top were always the teams that got the most parents or people – to come vote for their team, you know, it really wasn't, you know, because there'd be teams that, you know, hadn't won a tournament in a month and be ranked number two. <laughs> you, right. You know what I'm saying? That, so they're definitely better having it done this way because I, I do agree with you. I think that with the way it's being done now, I think it's uh, um, pretty accurate, actually, when you look at it uh, I think overall. So. Uh, I would right, acknowledge well. again. Guest four had a couple of had a question and a couple of comments. So one question they asked is, you know, would Fire in the Sky be better if you could choose either a gold or silver bracket when registering? So if you're, you know, kind of an A team or a B team, you know, would it be a better tournament? I, you know, I don't know. I have there's pros and cons of that. You know, when you when you have that, one of the things that happens is you'll have some teams that'll, you know, win the silver bracket and somebody will say, well, you know, they were sandbagging it. They should have been, they were going trophy hunting and they should have been in the, in the gold bracket. And, uh, and then you have other teams that maybe don't know which bracket they belong in, think they're, think they're gold and they should be in silver. So you still have that. It, to me, it's kind of neat at fire in the sky just because it is such a large, I don't think there's any tournaments where you've got so many teams in the same bracket, uh, mm-hmm. other than, the big national tournaments, you know, ASA nationals or PGF nationals. So I don't, I don't um, even know very many nationals that get 108 teams in one age group. Not, not so too just, many. There's a, there's a few, uh, and and maybe not as much those it used to be because ASA used to dominate it. Now you've got a lot of those. Some of those right. teams going ASA and some going to PGF. So yeah, um, I, I kind of, I, I, the thing with the gold and silver, a lot of people know, you know, I ran the Jamboree for years. And, you know, we actually got up to the point that we had 139 teams one year. And I'll mm-hmm. tell you what happens with the gold and silver thing is this. What ends up happening, if you have bad weather, you end up having to making so many more decisions than you would have if it was just a, a, a straight bracket. Because now, yeah. you're, you know, plus it actually adds more, it actually adds more games, too. Uh, if you have a gold and silver bracket. Um, so, you know, I think gold and silver, I mean, honestly, I thought about when I look at how the Jamboree went year after year after year, you know, I've kind of wondered, should I ever stop doing the gold and silvers altogether? Because, you know, a lot of people would complain about, you know, one of the points you just brought up was, well, you know, that team could have easily been in the top seven in the gold, mm-hmm. but they went down to play silver because they want to win. So, right. but anyway. Other, that, uh, the other thing I don't, I don't, so, okay. Go, go, go ahead. 
And I just said the other thing that guest four was saying earlier was he, we were talking about the polls and about, you know, he, he just made a statement that he or she, I'm not sure who it is, but, uh, uh, you know, those top organizations build teams from over 70, maybe they might have 70 girls at a tryout. They got people from all over the state and it doesn't seem fair. You got lopsided scores. So I think that was kind of part of his point about, about, uh, about that. But yeah, that's, that's the fact of the matter the, you know, the, the larger organizations, you know, like the, you know, lasers is, you know, for years and years. And now you've got that in, in the outlaws and the stingrays. And, you know, while they might kind of be based in, in one geographical area, they do pull, pull players in from all over the state and yeah, they're going to be better. And that's just the fact of the matter. I mean, it's, you know, um, you know, there's a lot of the organizations are much smaller and pull from a very small geographic area and play mostly local tournaments. And when they get into a big tournament, like, uh, like the fire in the sky, they're probably, they're probably going to get their class cleaned by, uh, some of these, some of these stronger organizations, but, you know, I, I don't know, pros and cons, you know, the, you know, some people will say, you know, it's, you know, it's, the, there's a lot of benefit from some of the weaker teams you know, you you used to have, we used to get that up in where I used to live in Lake County where, you know, teams would kind of stay up in Lake County. They play each other and beat each other and brag about how good they were. But, you know, if they ever would have got out to some other part of the state and started playing some of these other kinds of teams, they would have found out that they're not, not as good as they thought they were. Uh, and the only, you know, the, I think most people would agree with that, you know, if you want to be the best, you got to play the best. And, and you really learn a lot about, that level of competition. I know that was a big eye opener when my daughter played and, you know, she played some local teams and then she played on one and we went to ASA nationals out in South Dakota the one year and we were playing the Corona angels and the OC bat busters. And, and it was, it was, it was downright ugly. Uh, but you know, that was, that definitely opened our eyes in terms of, uh, of, you know, what the, what the level of play out there can be. So, um, you know, pros and pros and cons. I mean, if you have a local team and you want to stay and play teams, there, there's definitely tournaments out there like that. Now, the, you know, some of the teams are selective. You know, you've got, you know, Fire in the Sky. You know, I think Joe takes. He took the first 108 teams that signed up and paid. Um, Stingrays. You know, you've got to apply for that, and and they try to. You know, people always complain maybe about the teams they take, but uh, you know, they for the most part they're taking the best teams in the state, the best teams that apply not just in the state, they're taking a lot of out of state teams too. So, you know, I think it's just what happens sometimes is some people, they sign up for these tournaments. They don't really know what they're getting into. Um, I know my, my daughter was helping a, a very local organization up in the Cleveland area, kind of starting up a new team and playing some tournaments. And I said, look, you know, let me, let me tell you about these different tournaments. Here's one, here's one that you could probably com- compete in. And here's one of, you know, if you're, if you're okay with, with losing a bunch of games, uh, and but playing some good competition, this is this would be a good one to go to. So, yeah, you know, definitely I would encourage people that are that are newer to coaching or newer to softball in the state to you know kind of check around on these tournaments and and don't just pick them based on you know maybe their location or what's available in a certain week, but really look at and think about you know what is your goal as a team? What do you, what what level of play do you want to have? Or are you going to have you know, if you're a new team starting off and everybody's going to get upset if you, if you lose all your games, then, then you know, you want to think about, you know, what kind of schedule you're putting them into. So, um, you know, but I, I like, I love Fire in the Sky. It's just a fun tournament and it's great to think about uh, somebody, uh, um, you know, 
coming out of that, you know, out of 100, even even a really good team, you know, might not, you know, and there definitely were some good teams. You know, I mentioned some of the teams that the Blazers White beat and, you know, some, some close games in there and they didn't get there just because they ran into a tough team and maybe 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 they had a little bit of an off game. So, um, uh, you know, that's, that's going to happen in a big tournament like that. Yeah, I think I think uh, you know there's more discussion kind of going on on there on the chat board and, uh, on the during the show too that you know when they talk about you know the disparity between smaller organizations and bigger ones, but I mean you know you just go back and you know I I know I bring him up occasionally Ron Poole. Ron Poole didn't have 20 teams. He didn't have. Uh, um, yeah, he didn't have everything, say, like some of these big organizations got going now and weren't asking people to join. He just flat out put one of the best teams together Ohio could put and went out and could be with the California teams on a weekly basis. You know, mm-hmm. now he didn't have – he wasn't a big organization. That's just what he done. And everybody's well aware of what Bill Lillian did uh, with the little slam, I forget what they call the little slammers, or or the I think the Ohio slammers they were called. Yeah, the Ohio slammers. Just, just look what he did. Now he, a lot of his stuff that he learned about coaching softball came from Ron Poole. and hmm. you know they weren't big organizations, but yet they went out and beat up on big big name teams over and over. So mm-hmm. you know, I don't really believe. There's that disparity that people believe. Now, if you're talking during tryouts now, if you're talking about during just tryout season, there's definitely going to be a disparity because more people are trying to get into the bigger organizations if that's, you know, what fits best for them and their daughter and family. So I do think there might be a disparity there where some of these organizations might get more people, you know, girls attend their tryouts. But as far as once trials are over and you have a team, I really think it falls on the head of the organization that what happens from that point on and the coaches. So you don't have to mm-hmm. be a big organization to be the big shark in the sea. You don't have to be. So True. I know that uh, I know there was actually a discussion brought up, and I think it was yesterday, or maybe about AAS, about sanctioning bodies and stuff like that, and kind of what you know they were doing, and they kind of. Rolls on similar to this type of discussion. So, all right. Well, anyway, Jeff. So, what did you have anything you wanted to discuss tonight? I know there were some things on the board. I think you wanted to discuss. Well, yeah. There was, there was a couple of interesting posts there about umpiring. Uh, some complaints about. Uh, you know, there's always some complaints about umpiring. But there's a, a couple of complaints this. Uh, uh, you know, just this past week about one one tournament in particular where they felt like the uh uh you know the the, the umpires were not uh not very good and were they were less com- not to not so much complaining about their calls they're just complaining about the lack of hustle and just kind of being lazy and not being in the right position and that and there was another one about where there was uh supposedly some rumor that some coaches were uh i'm sorry that that's some that's that, an umpire got thrown out for drinking. Um, though later the, the tournament director came on and said, "Hey, I researched this and I, I can't find anybody that knows anything about this, so that might just have been a rumor." But you know, I was just thinking about that subject in terms of you, you know, you know what what do people expect 
from umpires? What are the kind of the basics? Uh, uh, it's probably pretty straightforward. I mean, everybody's always going to complain about, you know, umpires, you know, certain calls going against them and, and things like that. But, you know, um, you know, I was just thinking about it in the fire in the sky. And, you know, I don't even remember those, you know, one of the things I've always heard about umpires is an umpire should be pretty much invisible during the game. You know, they're controlling the game, but they're not, uh, they're not, uh, over controlling it. And, and, um, uh, you know, a good umpire is one you don't hardly even notice during the game. They're, they're, they're making the right calls. They're, they're in the right places. Um, and, um, you know, and again, in that tournament, I don't, I don't remember. I mean, I you know, I don't even remember what those two guys look like, or I think there were two guys, <laughs> um, but, but, uh, um, you know, they obviously expect people to be, to know, to know, to know their craft and to, and to be in the right places and to handle the game, you know, the right way in that. But, um, um, obviously not to be, not to be drinking or anything like that, but I, I don't think again, that, that probably didn't actually happen. So. Right. Um, now I did have that actually happen in my tournament where, we had an umpire who was drunk, and, um, you know, I got a phone call, and I went over and talked to the UIC, because we always have a UIC at each location, and talked to UIC, and he was actually up in the middle of the four-diamond complex at that location. So, you know, if anybody had any problems or issues, they could come talk to him about it. And, um, you know, this guy was actually out back, uh, down along the creek, drunk, passed out. So, hmm. uh, you know, now I told you, I see, you know, we can't have that going on here. You know, I, I don't tolerate it, and, you know, he's going to have to leave. I said, but I have an issue. I can't let him leave drunk because if he does leave, well, he's, and I know he's drunk, and I'm forcing him to leave, and he's in an accident, I could be held partly liable. So mm-hmm. I told him it's your it's your boy it's your problem you take care of him, but uh, when I went back over later that night like around midnight he was he was actually in his car passed out so mm-hmm. I, I noted he didn't leave but that was a real concern of mine but you know why I want to bring this up because the UIC said why well, I, I hope you realize there's a lot more drinking going on than just my umpire I'm like really and he pointed out a couple organizations that they're where the coaching people were drinking and stuff and um you know i went over by and of course when they see me coming you know uh they did they made sure they had everything pretty much hidden by the time they could see me coming that way well of course the next day in the afternoon i had a problem with that team their coach was drunk his wife was drunk the almost the whole family almost all the parents were drunk and they were upset because they lost now, you talk about yeah. you want to go into something as a tournament director knowing you're not walking away unscathed. That was one time I really, really realized just how important it is to have a strict no-drinking policy in place for your tournament. We actually started a actually no-drinking policy if you're caught drinking and if you're with any team organization, the whole organization can be removed from the event. That's how strict we want to be because that's a nightmare to deal with that. So it's hard enough to deal with people that's upset and has booze into the picture. Nothing you say will be right anyway. So, but 
Yeah, like, I mean, there's and there's also an article on there or a, a thread on there today about you know is it okay for for coaches to drink between games and you know so far all the responses have been you know kind of absolutely not you know maybe maybe at the end of the day uh, back at the hotel or something but uh, uh, you know and you know I've coached some teams I've I've where we've had parents drinking you know, uh, in between games, there's a couple of parks that sell, that sell beer. And I've also seen some parents, you know, smuggle in. I was in some college games. I am embarrassed to say my daughter went to college and some of the parents, uh, brought in, uh, bottles and were drinking during the game and that. And, and you could tell too, cause they start getting, uh, uh, they start getting, you know, getting rowdy during the games, getting louder and everything. And I just don't think there's any place for that. I, I, I enjoy a drink here and there myself and you know at the end of a long day um you know i think you need to go back to the hotel and you can sit by the pool and have a beer or decide to go out afterwards or something like that that's on that's up to you but you know i don't i don't think if you're if you're supervising you know young players boys or girls at that uh you know you should be setting that kind of example or taking a chance to kind of compromising uh uh, your your faculties and everything to uh, to be responsible there. So um, I, I just you know I think most people are are opposed to that. But I'm, I'm I'll bet you there's some coaches that do that and don't think twice about it. Yeah, I think I think that might have been one of the things that hurt Slugfest. I don't know if you remember that, but that used to be a big tournament, one of the biggest tournaments in the state. And it was down the Cincinnati area, and that actually became one of the issues there about drinking. Um, yeah. Because was it Rump- because Rumpke? Was that yeah, Rumpke. Yeah, Rumpke. Yeah. Yeah. That was. Yeah. I always felt that kind of hurt that tournament um, a little bit. I mean, just my own experience playing in that tournament, and just for other tournament directors, you know, if you actually listen to this, you might just take notes on this. One of the things. And I really like Patty Emrine. I thought Patty was is a great person. Really did a lot for the sports, and really did a lot for it in Cincinnati, and put on a really good show. But one of the things that I told her, I thought she felt short on was, yeah, you know, when you have an eighteen hundred team with possibly four D one girls playing on your team, and you put them off in no no land somewhere to play. And they don't even get to play in the main complex, you know, uh, that the chances of you coming back very often will be very slim. Mm-hmm. Uh, why, you know, now, of course, you know, just remember, Jeff, back when I was coaching, the landscape on getting girls in college is a lot different than it is today. It's changed. Sure. It's not the same as it used to be. So, um, you know, them opportunities like that for a few players had to happen as an opportunity. So I always felt that was one of the, you know, things I didn't like. Even though I kept going back, I'm just saying, that was one of the things to point out there, you know, that, hey, you know, if we're not playing on the main complex, there's really no sense in us coming to play. The reason we're coming down here is to try to get more exposure for our girls to schools in this area and region that, you know, might be looking for prospective players. So it doesn't do us no good to go there and then be playing down on the river. You know what I'm saying? Right. Where there's nobody at. So, but anyway, yep. that just pass that out there for tournament directors out there. You know, if you're doing a tournament, make sure, you know, 
that you don't fall into that uh, thing where you ditch off an age group on the bag complex uh, just in order to take more teams or whatever. So, but you have know, you ever I thought, had, uh, we're talking about umpires, Ricky. Have you ever, have you ever, do you know uh, Brett Mann very well? You know, I've taught, he actually done a couple of my tournaments in the Jamboree, mm-hmm. and I always thought he was an exceptionally great uh, um, umpire. He also yeah. does, he also, I believe Brett Mann also works on gloves because I know when he was down here doing my tournament, I know I'd see him lacing gloves and stuff for people, but maybe it might yeah. be someone else I could be wrong, but. No, I think, I think, no, he does that too. I, I had invited him in a forum um, one time. I had I mentioned something in a in a thread, and then uh, and I also sent him a private message and inviting him to. Uh, I wanted to have him on the show sometime. And I think it'd be entertaining and interesting. I think to have you know, and he's you know pretty well respected in the forum. He's been around for a long time. He answers a lot of questions and clears up a lot of controversies. You know, really well in that. Seems to have a lot of common sense. And uh, I'd like to get him on sometime and, and, you know, talk about a little bit about umpiring and talk about some of the situation. I'm sure he's had some, he's got some great stories to tell from, you know, some of his experiences over the year dealing with coaches and parents and tournament directors and the like. So, um, yeah, I mean, if you, you just want to get an idea, just, you know, Bradman's been on the board for quite a long time. Yeah. And just to get an idea just how well, you know, he's respected, we actually have a section basically of the form, right, that is basically, um, I'd actually sent him a message one time asking him if he wanted to have his own section, right? Mm-hmm. And um, he he really wasn't even, didn't really, wasn't interested in it, or he didn't know how to reply on the private message system, one of the two. Now, that, anyway, that could be part of the problem, so. So, but anyway, um, I, I started the softball rule and questions and answer section, because there was so many discussions about rules and questions and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I just thought, you know, hey, we need to put this all in a category. Uh, and it actually, that yeah. section actually is a section that gets viewed pretty well overall. Mm-hmm. And if you go into there, there's a lot of stuff in there, discussion about rules and questions. But, you know, like we were talking about the ever-changing ground of softball, rules change too. So, you know, yep. uh, some things you might see on there might be a couple of years old and they don't even, uh, uh, you know, are not in some place of the, anymore. Uh, so. One of the things that's always been interesting to me is some of the, you know, some of the myths of, uh, of, of, of you know, softball rules, like, you know, hands are part of the bat, you know, it's actually a myth. That's not, that's not actually the case or, or, you know, like you said, some of the rules change, you know, some of the, some of the, you know, associations, if there's a, you know, you have to get out of the way of the ball and others, you don't have to anymore. So um, it, it's interesting to, to know that. And, and uh, um, I, I know as a coach, you know, a couple of years when I was coaching, we were, we were going to, you know, ASA and NSA and U-Triple-SA all the same year. And then we were, you know, I was coaching in high school and it got really confusing as to, you know, well, I know that's a rule, and it's like, oh, well, yeah, it is a rule in high school, but it's not a rule in, you know, NSA here. So um, it, it's always, uh, you know, it, it's always interesting, I think, to read those sections, and you can really get educated. Um, I always thought it would be good to, for somebody to really 
summarize some of the major rule differences between the different uh, between the different groups. Yeah, I mean, I, I I've always you know I know this is stupid, but the one rule I've had the hardest rule ever understanding, and it, it always confuses me, is the infield fly rule. Uh, um, I got that all, one down. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for some reason, that rule has always complexed me. And I can't tell you how many times I look like an idiot arguing with an umpire. <laughs> and as soon as he says, as soon as he would say, it's an infield fly rule, Rick. I'm like, okay, that's good, my bad. I mean, I, you know, I just sometimes <laughs> never <laughs> quite understand that. So DP Flex was always another one, too, when they started instituting that in, in high school and ASA. Uh, DP flex uh, confuses a lot of people. So uh, I actually had, when I was coaching high school in that, uh, you know, I learned a rule and, and I used to, I was assistant coach, but I, the, the head coach let, pretty much let me manage the lineup and that. And I, and I knew that rule inside and out. And, and I felt like it was a great advantage to use it in that. And I actually had two different coaches the one year uh, teams that we played call me or, or approach me after a game and say, Hey, could can I talk to you sometimes? You could, could you explain me this rule better? <laughs> you know, because they go over and ask the umpire about it before the game, you know, or you know, during the game, you know, we make a change and they say, well, you can't do that. And it's like, yeah, we can. And umpires say, yeah, they can. And, and, uh, uh, one was a friend of our head coaches and another one was just, you know, just came over after the game and said, I, I really, you know, I need to understand this rule better. And, and I think people probably understand it better than they used to, but it still confuses some people. No, that year, you know what? I, I know you're right because I can't tell you how many times my UIC would have to explain to a coach how the flex and uh, the yeah. flex rule works. He, they, he said it's the one rule the uh, they have to explain more than anything or, or, or go over with coaches to make sure they understand how that rule works. So. I mean, I, I never really had a problem with that one. There's just always been the infield fly rule one. It's always, yeah. like I said, as soon as it happens, I'm like, damn, what do you mean? Uh, I got two outs now. I mean, gosh, I mean, my girl was trying to take <laughs> the, the bag. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, well, I tell you, Jeff, it's uh, been pretty good tonight. I uh, actually ended up almost getting a whole hour in here. We got like two minutes left, but... Uh, I tell you, you know, we're done pretty much for your broadcasting as far as I know to doing the games. Unless I, I think there was maybe a possibility of doing maybe one more. And um, I, I can't remember. I don't know if it was actually for staying in softball or something like that. But I thought there might be an opportunity to do one more maybe this year. But, um, yeah, I, I'd say overall, I mean, uh, I think uh, – the doing the, the games and stuff has become pretty fun and exciting. Even if I ain't doing them, I enjoy going to them and being there and just getting a yeah. moment to visit with you and stuff. So, but uh, yeah, no, it's a lot of fun. So, but anyway, you know what? I think it's time to grab our gear and get off the field and head on home. So, till next week, everybody. We're gonna have, wait a minute, Jeff. You didn't have anything else you wanted to add tonight? Or no, that, all? that was it. That was um. It's my gear packed up it, too. It's official. Jeff has got his gear packed up. Rick's got his gear packed up, and we are leaving the field. The umpires are getting ready to turn out the lights, and this is another episode of Softball Zone Radio Show. And until next time, take care and be careful. Bye. Good night.
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.